94-year-old Willian on 180 grand a week that's going to be here till, you know, he gets a telegram from the Queen congratulating him. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. That's Vieira! Absolutely fantastic! Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal! It is just what Pierre Emerick Aubameyang does. Gabriel Martinelli has equalised for the Gunners! Welcome back to the Different Knock Podcast, <laughs> episode number. <laughs> well, we're on 37, Brad. 37, yeah. With 37. Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend, give me a B. Give me an R. Give me a B. Give an Adley. <laughs> give, B. give me your Adams. It's Bradley Adams. Well, hey. Adams. Hello, mate. I'm on the kombucha, Brad. You're on the kombucha? Is it any good? Mm. I've never actually had it. It tastes really weird, but supposedly it's really good for you. Have you seen that video on YouTube of um, the YouTubers Cody Ko and Noel Miller meeting the guy who invented kombucha? No. Go and watch it. It's called like the kombucha lair or something. Very good video. It's this dude who basically invented kombucha and he, he like he lives like a supervillain. It's bizarre. <laughs> like imagine the dude who invented kombucha, then like that's exactly who it is. Like it's so weird. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like a nerd who lives in like this sort of like Bond villain house. It's amazing. Love it, um, love it, love it. How are you, Brad? I'm I'm very good, thanks, mate. I uh Still feeling good after yesterday. What about you? You all right? Oh, it was absolutely tasty, wasn't it? Oh, it was. It was unbelievably tasty. Do you know what? It just. Oh, I run out of superlatives to describe. Yeah. yeah. How tasty ha- it was. The Hayland vibes were oh. on, uh, and we were loving it. We were loving life. Absolutely. It's, yeah. It's. It's. Listen. You know. We. We'll get into it in a minute. But I think it, mm-hmm. it's such a good moment to be an Arsenal fan. However, we've won three games yeah. in a row and we're like, and we're absolutely think, buzzing. Yeah, it just proves how topsy-turvy this league is at the moment. Yeah. You know, in uh, kind of last season, even the season before, win, uh, winning three games in a row at, at most points wouldn't have changed your fortune so drastically. Yeah. But in this, for me, feels like 2015, 2016, uh, the year that I think that was the year that Leicester won the league. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, it was. Um, it feels like the year that Leicester won it. It feels like this weird league where, you know, there are teams on form, don't get me wrong. Uh, Liverpool, United, City, all gathering up points, doing really, really well. But they've also had their moments of faltering. You know, Liverpool have drawn a few games. United, I don't think, I think they've had a bit of a weird patch where they haven't been particularly good. Same with City. And then you're looking at people like Chelsea massively dropping off the pace. Leicester dropping off a little bit here and there. Mm. Wolves aren't doing as well as they were last season. And at this this last three games has built us up to a point where it feels like it's almost everything is open again. There are Because there, there is a realm of possibility where if Chelsea can continue to free fall and those other kind of people in that top eight continue to kind of be a bit dilly-dally about picking up points and we put a serious run of form together, you, we could see ourselves in the top four in four games' time. 100%. Or we could see ourselves back down in 15th if everything picks up and we revert back to what we were doing before. It's it's such a weird season this season. It's exactly what you said. It's so topsy-turvy. And I think it kind of goes back to... I don't know whether this is something that the Premier League will just be from now on. I really don't know whether it's a, how how much COVID affects this. Mm. Whether fans being back will change the kind of, you know, the home away dynamics, all those sorts of things. I mean, I think it will be only come out in sort of data from sort of Twitter nerds in about three years time. But what we are seeing is a league where any result is a good result. Like any win, even going away to West Brom uh, uh, and, and, you know, perhaps, you know, say four, five, six, seven years ago, we'd be looking at a game like that and going, we should be winning that. It showed a little on BT, they were showing a sort of like a highlights reel of previous um, matches we played at the Hawthorns. And uh, they'd beaten us like quite a few times. They're a bit of a bogey side for us over the years. There's some some games with Alexis that they won like 2-1, 3-1, we drew 1-1. Those games, you know, where we are right now in terms of the league, had that happened, that's not crazy. You know, West Brom nicking a result against Arsenal. No one looks at their BT Sport, uh, BBC Sport app and goes, "What they drew with you know City?" What I mean? It's 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 any result is possible at the moment in this in this kind of, especially with the weather. You know, it's yeah. cold when Burn Leno wears long sleeves. 
<laughs> and when you've got you know Maitland Niles in in compression, what was he tights, wearing? Oh, they're like they're probably compression tights, stop injury or something. I don't know. Um, but the, this is the thing as well. We saw it. At the, I don't know what the statistics are now, but after the first few games back uh, during lockdown, it came out that the home the home advantage tends to be between like forty five and fifty one percent. It swings between that as to how many. Uh, get people on a match day it's the home team that wins because obviously you've got fans and stuff in the stadium but taking um, the fans away after the first few games of during lockdown I think that dropped to something like between the late 20s early 30s percent Mm. Mm. and you're thinking like that that's a big drop off you're talking what 15 to 20 percent less you're winning at home mm, mm. so the fact that we still don't have because it is you know certain places i mean the emirates has had its time of being a bit of a it's I don't, i've been a few times and sometimes it can be really 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 loud or it can be absolutely dead arsenal just mm. seem to have this weird level of support where they're either really up for it or they're just not really there but you think about I things think like we're, we're we're a very emotional fan base and 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 uh, yeah I, this is to add to your point i think you know the sort of the if we're winning, if we're on, if we're on it, it's we're we're up for it, and if and it, the team dictates that so much, yeah. uh, more than any other stadium. But you've just got to think that, like, for example, the Liverpool game where they beat Barca four nil to get back in and then go to the Champions League final, that only happens because of Anfield. Anfield is such a place to go, and the Liverpool fans. I I do you know what I I. I Take the piss out of Liverpool, Liverpool fans sometimes because they can be a bit um, woe is me about certain things, you know, like when, you know, it came out about obviously Virgil getting it, like having a big, big injury and they were calling for Pickford to be suspended for the same amount of time and all of this shit. But their fans support their team to the death and Anfield, when it's full, is a fucking fortress to go mm. to. There's a reason that Klopp hasn't lost there in something like two or three years, for Christ's sake, mm. in the league. Like, it's mental. And... It, it did just at the moment that that's what's happening is whereas normally big teams with bigger fan bases in bigger stadiums can create more of a hostile atmosphere and environment. They're not able to do that without obviously their fans being there. Mm. And we're seeing plucky small teams like your Leeds, like your West Broms, like all of mm. these people who are in the bottom half of the table, some of them even in the relegation zone coming to top six, top five, top two teams and snatching a result. And mm. it's, it's it. Just, I mean, it makes the league way more fun and open. Yeah, and you know, with, for the without, neutral, that is for the neutral. For sure, for sure. Without kind of you know making it like a, a slogan, it does prove football is not the same without the fans. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. just a different breed, and I do think we'll look back on this kind of era of COVID football as a specific era. I think we'll look back mm-hmm. on you know remember how strange that period was remember you know all the all the sort of you know when we're in isolation that thing happens this thing happens the kind of you know all the stuff about the fixtures being suspended all that sort of stuff but yeah it's it's certainly interesting and 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 then interesting to take it into into our analysis city had six players left uh sorry uh, we were chatting about the city liverpool uh, city chelsea game where chelsea just got absolutely dicked in the first 45 city had six players out and you think like that's in a in a obviously you you don't register under twenty ones I think it is but in a twenty five man squad if you're missing six players you're down to nineteen of your registered players like that's yeah. fucking crazy like yeah. this is such yeah. a weird time like of of life let alone football bizarre bizarre mm. maybe maybe this podcast wouldn't exist without coronavirus Brad yeah and what a maybe. shame that is what a shame everyone, that would everyone, be. everyone listen everyone listening is going fuck's sake um, <laughs> <laughs> if only. <laughs> So in terms of the lineup, yeah. So I mean, I, I kind of, you know, I didn't think we needed to, to rotate. You know, we had five days between uh, the Brighton game and this game and our next game is a week away and it's a cup game. So I thought it would be strange if we'd done some big rotation. So interesting to kind of note that this is what Arteta sees as his kind of first 11, I guess, at the moment, certainly. Yeah, 100%. And I think one, I think the one rotation you could have expected is Martinelli you know, come off the back of a very long, very serious injury and has played quite... A, and the the guy... I saw your tweet about um, Dennis Rodman, Michael yeah. Jordan, and who's who, <laughs> and you're absolutely right. Martinelli yeah. is that absolutely dogged Rodman character. There was, a, if you didn't see it, it was essentially a tweet uh, with a picture of, um, if you're not familiar, go and watch, if you haven't seen it, go and watch The Last Dance. I'm actually wearing a Chicago Bulls top right now. Mate, it's the best sports documentary I've ever seen. Unreal. It's unbelievable. It's about Michael Jordan and um, the, the sort of the, Chicago Bulls team. Yeah. 
Oh. And essentially there was a kind of underrated, um, uh, well, there's a sort of trio behind, uh, with uh, with Jordan as the kind of tip of it with Dennis Rodman, who was this absolute animal kind of character, and Scottie Pippen, who was a kind of more underrated. And it, and it sort of said, you know, Saka Martinelli and, and um, ESR. And I, and I said... I said Smith Rowe, uh, also said Martinelli was the kind of Dennis Rodman, absolute animal will to win. And we missed that. But equally, he, as you say, he, he is kind of coming back from that injury. And it's... Yeah, and I think that it was in this game where like West Brom are, uh, they're going to play hard tackle. They're going to try and br- like crunch into tackles, slow us down. It was good to kind of give him a rest after he's put so much legwork in over the last three games. And Yeah, and I think also, you know, without... I, I'm not sure Arteta knew this, but I wonder whether he might have been in a, with a different game state. I think he probably would have come on, mm. but in those conditions, you know, we, let, we must talk about those conditions because they were absolutely mental. Horrendous. I mean, I've, I've never seen snow on a football pitch like it. Um, I, I, Where they I'm, literally I'm, had to do like pitch outlines in the snow. <laughs> I, ima- I imagine there's some probably like some Canadian listeners who are like. <laughs> lol do you know what I mean but like you know sort of the the for for an English viewer I can't remember a game like that yeah um, being that snowy in my lifetime actually and um you know in terms of Martinelli's those those things do affect it it slows the the ball down especially when the, the snow is settled um it affects how the players move it makes them probably makes them more likely to move around because they need to keep they need to keep um keep moving and keep yeah keep, keep warm um but also what I was going to say about Martinelli was you know, if he comes on, he, one twist of the knee, that thing, you know, a, a risky knee, you know, on on the snow, mm-hmm. it's, it is something you'd probably be thinking about. So I imagine he probably didn't want to risk him. And when you're 3-4-0 up, there was... No point. You don't need no Martinelli point. at that point. Yeah, because he's going to... What, what he's going to do is, no matter what the score is, he is going to chase every ball, he is going to press, yeah. and he is going to do what he does best. I think saying like he's like a dog, I, I almost feel like it's an insult it's an absolute compliment. Like it's, you know, yeah, that, I don't, that, I, I, it's, it's yeah. dogged. He has like a dogged, dogged. behavior. Yeah, 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 That's yeah, yeah. he, he's absolutely. Cause he's not stupid. And it's not to say that all dogs are stupid, but it's not that kind of, you know, dog doesn't realize you haven't thrown the ball kind of thing. Like it's, you know, I'm yeah. fend- uh, defending Martinelli's do- uh, dogged <laughs> thing so much, but you know what but I mean? Yeah. Like I think people he's do, unreal. we'll describe him as dogged, but it's, uh-huh. it's just, it's an, in- it's like a, it's like a Labrador crossed with, a Jack Russell. Do you know what I mean? What yeah, that he be? just fucking runs and runs and runs. A Labradussel? A Labradussel. We'll call it that. Um, yeah, I, I thought, uh, I mean, I didn't like seeing Willian later on in terms of personnel, if we're still talking about personnel, yeah. but there you go. Um, also, no Nelson on the bench. Um, strange. So I, 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 I tweeted this out and I said, um, no Nelson, strange. And, and I think, you know, a few people basically replied, well, what, it's his injury. My spidey senses... Tell me it's something different. And maybe he's going out in January and maybe it's on a loan. But if it was going to be a loan, I think we'd be, it would be early, you know, considering he's not been around for very long. So he's not been around for a while. Mm. Surely it would have been he'd have gone fairly soon or we'd be hearing rumours by now. You know, we're, we're quite, you know, well into January now. It's the, it's, there'll be the, you know, the fourth by most of the time most people hear this. You know, I just wonder, and maybe he is injured. Maybe this is complete. You know, get the get the klaxon out. Warning, conjecture ahead. But the, I don't know. I just have a feeling about it that it's not good, and I don't know. Yeah. Why. Well, the lot is because well, also the last injury that we heard from him was that he had a head injury. Now he had a different knock. <laughs> but if, for example, it was a head injury, David Luiz has clashed skulls with Raúl Jiménez enough to fracture Raúl Jiménez's skull and is now back from that injury as in he splits yeah. his own head open in his back from yeah. injury we would know if for example there would be stories about whether um nelson's injury if it was as serious as that i think we would know and that's why i agree with you i think that it, which worries me again that we're willing to sub on william 94 year old Willian on 180 grand a week that's going to be here till you know he gets a telegram from the queen congratulating him (laughs) but you know what I mean that's it's it's worrying for the future of the club that we're willing to do that that we're willing to let a prospect like Reese Nelson who okay he's not shown yet to be the levels of like one guy I love and we we watched like 15 minutes of him against us and again 10 minutes of him against City Callum Hudson-Odoi brilliant player mm. 
He's not shown to be that level or a sacker yet. He's not kind of putting those. So send him out on loan and stop. Like we're so stacked with wingers at the moment. It made no sense to bring Willian in in the summer. Yeah, I mean, we we can discuss the kind of the the whys and wherefores of the William William thing. I th- I think there is a whole avenue we can go down here of squad building. Pepe, he didn't come on in the which we will get into later. Just yeah. on the Nelson thing though. So I I, I found the, the the quote and it was from the, um, New Year's Eve and it was he's not been feeling one hundred percent. He has a muscular issue. He's been in and out of training. I just don't know why I don't believe it. I don't know why. I don't know why. I, I just have a, a, a sense of that's not the whole truth. And I think sometimes muscular injuries and things that can't necessarily be, you know, sickness. Do you know what like it feels like? Get, go on. It feels like Meza Ozil's back problems. With the back injury. Yeah. Which, you know, what? how can a, how can a, a reporter press on that? Um, yeah. I don't know. I just think it kind of went a bit quiet. And yeah, anyway. Um, so we started the game off. Has that long ball from kickoff ever worked? <laughs> um, has it ever worked I'm it sure it must every have. single time Mari did it today um, I I don't get it I don't get it why do we do it every single t- genuinely every single game we play it's clearly an instruction it has ne- it's, I'd say eight times out of ten it goes goes to the opponent and just just keep the ball build it up I so I mean you know not the end of the world but uh, yeah I don't know I, it's probably worked for another team I don't think it's ever worked for Arsenal right now yeah. Um, I, I yeah, fair enough. Uh, it's it seems silly to do it for the sake of it. Yeah, I'd be much more inclined to kind of just keep the ball with the centre backs uh, until the and to kind of draw them out of their half before you try something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um. Um. If... Yeah, I I thought we started off pretty well. You know, I think again difficult conditions. Um. I could sort of tell early on that Tierney was in the mood. He he had some oh, nice touches. Yeah. He was, oh, yeah. He he definitely had the run on, is it Phillips and I want to say Furlong? Is yeah, right back? Phillips and Furlong. Um, come on, there's a joke there. A Furlong. Come on. Something. Come on, Brad. Um, <laughs> You're the joker here, mate. You bloody joker. <laughs> you bloody joker. Um, you could tell he had the you run on Phillips. You fucking and... Do you remember that? <laughs> you fucking lesher. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like it was clear he he was in the mood. He yeah. was knocking it past Phillips. He was knocking it past Furlong. He was getting in some good positions. There was a really lovely cross field ball to to Saka. I think Phillips is Scottish, so he might have just known he's just quicker than him. Do you know what I mean, and and you know, I think sometimes Arsenal, as fans, we are we are obsessed with kind of long term. You know, who's the who's the person who's going to win us this game? Uh, sorry, the, the you know winners. 38 games who's going to be the player who comes in for 38 games and is the is the right fit and what's the perfect team what's the perfect balance every single game and every single game state has its own identity and this was you know affected by conditions and affected by who's in the middle of the park and this is affected by you know what form we're in what form West Brom mm-hmm. are in. you know all every single game is different and I think things like you know just if you've got a young Brazilian right back who Martinelli knows Give him a go. It's that sort of thing. I think, you know, sometimes we're not that clever as as Arsenal and we just mm. kind of play what we want to play. And sometimes we've got to go, okay, Tierney, do you know? And this is a really specific example, but do you know what I mean? It's that kind of cleverness that, that I think sometimes we lack as a squad where we go, okay, so Tierney's played against this guy in Scotland training. He knows his weaknesses. He knows his strengths. Get him on. And that's worked. And that's worked. And I'm not saying that's yeah. our decision, but I do think sometimes other teams are smarter and and, and, and kind of can be a bit more um, discerning like that. A hundred percent. I think that's why this, uh, I hate the talk of um, playing, like I hate it when fans say, oh, we don't, we're not playing the Man United way or we're not playing the Arsenal way or the Chelsea way because two reasons, right? Number one, you sound like a fucking idiot. Your club is an inanimate fucking object. It's a concept. It can't play a certain way. It's players on the pitch and Bring managers that decide tactics and formations. I was happy back then. Like it, <laughs> like it just, I was it, young. Like it's just fucking stupid. Because at the end of the day, any football fan, right, they might not enjoy it. But if you were to say to me, you have a, uh, like a Jose Mourinho and his prime style manager come in right now, at the end of the season and within four seasons, you win two Premier Leagues and a Champions League. Anyone is going to bite your fucking hand off, no matter what style of play yeah. it is. Over style of play. I mean, the dream is the sort of the combination. But yeah, I know what you mean. The, yeah, of course, the dream is the combination. But but this is what I'm saying. Like, And 
it I genuinely think it comes from fans who don't understand football and don't understand the fact that football even in the microcosms of a of a game is is completely ever changing we saw it um and again I keep talking about other clubs games but in this game versus uh, with city and chelsea city had the game won in the first half so they just sat back and this is guardiola who is tiki taka control the possession attack ruthless just went well we've it's scored game three state. Break it's game us state. it's it's simple like, game it's, management and this is what i mean like and exactly and all of these things where like knowing a certain player and knowing how they play and knowing their styles what their preferences are is a massive massive important mm. thing mm. yeah you know? 100% um i thought overall in this game in terms of our build up play we were so much more balanced i think i've been mm. i've been wary of saka on that right hand side and i've been concerned that maybe it, it kind of it kind of takes him out of the game but as he physically develops and as he matures as a player, I think it just brings us so much more balance. It, it kind of just yeah. it balances our points of attack. It doesn't make us so predictable. I was saying to you on the WhatsApp, wasn't I? The WhatsApp. Fucking hell, I'm 97. I, me and Willian are getting our messages pretty soon. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> um, the, yeah, like the, you know, I think it just gives us so many more options. Also, Bellerin's been in, in fantastic form and the, he's got this really nice ball down that inside channel, which Saka's now chasing. We just have, when Saka, when we have someone on that right-hand side, and we'll, 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 we'll get onto the Pepe discussion later, when we have someone on that right-hand side who is so effective, it just makes us so much wider, gives us so many more options. I just love it. I love it, mate. <laughs> love it. Gorgeous. Yeah, no, I I just, I, I think that it is. I have criticised uh, our manager for certain tactical decisions and everything and credit where credit's due and praise where praise is due. If it was his decision to put him out on the right or somebody suggested it, it seems to be a stroke of genius because like you say, it it takes away from that left side bias, makes us more balanced in the way that we can create and it just gives us more options and more opportunities. And I think that from now on, that's his position and it it falls on Pepe and it falls on William mm. to remove mm. him from that. You know, I, I that he's got to be him and Martinelli on those flanks, or him and like a two of the first names on the team sheet for me now, in that in that set way because we've like it, it's almost like um when we were crying out to start Pepe more after the Sheffield United game, but we got so frustrated when Arteta didn't because he changed something and put Alba through the middle, and we won the game two one, and it changed the game and. It's the same now. This has changed. This this one tactical decision has made us more unpredictable and led us to getting more opportunities. So this that's it from now on. That's set. And Willian and Pepe can jog on. And like if Willian subs in at 75 minutes or Pepe subs in at 80 minutes, whatever. And I think the same with Lacazette through the middle. I texted you the Lacquer's hit uh, during the ma- during the match going Lacquer's hit a good run of form and then literally 2 seconds later he scored the second and I'm and I'm like he he's another one who at the moment because of the way that we're playing and the way that he links I don't think you can drop him and it just shows that one it football lives on a knife edge and one little decision yeah. changes everything everything, everything in it. and the, and the, we've as we've always said you know a brush of a ball it's you know it's it's whatever the the um the thing I was going to say was that like the, it adds also adds versatility and having that option on the right hand side and having an effective option on the right hand side not only opens that right hand side it means we can overload on there it means we can overload on the left more less predictably it means we can it, we can stay balanced it gives us so many options our options before were overload the left or play it through the left now we can do four more like it's there's there's, there's you know there's four uh, two more options there's there's four options there overload overload the right stick it down the right, whatever it is, you know, I'm chatting shit, but you know what I mean? It's in, there's so many and more options. And we've also got the fifth option of playing through the middle now that we're actually playing a 10. Yeah, exactly. It, ju- it just gives us so much more balance and I, I really love it. And there's a, there's a moment where Lacazette plays in Saka and he, I just think if Saka's 24, he buries that. Yeah. And, you know, it, part of I don't want to get into a squad building conversation because we're obviously looking at the game itself. But there was a, a kind of pang for me of like, a, where are our 26 and 27 year olds? Where are they? Yeah. Uh... Where are our players in their prime? Bellerin's heading to it. Pepe's heading to it. Mari's heading to it as he's holding. 
Yeah. Gen- genuine question. I, I, I'm really asking this. I can't off the top of my head think of a player at Arsenal who is 27. Party. I think he's 27, Party. 28. Okay, perfect. He's, and maybe El Nenny? He, I think he's like 25, 26. So let, me, let me look at Arsenal's. He's 28. El Nenny's 28. Okay. Um, Lacazette's... I think pushing th- like late mid like early th- he's early 30s isn't he Laka? like 31 maybe yeah 30 31 listen yeah play players you know, holding at 26 okay party and Jacka. 25 yeah basically and listen players develop at different times i'm not saying you know because we've only got a load of 22 year olds and a load of 18 year olds and a load of 31 year olds that we're that we're, you know, that doesn't mean they can't be good at that stage. But what I am saying is that if if you said to a football fan, when do, when do football players peak? Twenty six to twenty eight. I think ish, it's, I'd it's, say as an average. I think it's different time. It, yeah, but I think it's massively different times for different positions. Of course, of course. But, so but like, what I'm if saying you're is, taught, yeah, you know, if, out on the pitch, we we don't have that many of those players, and and you I need think that's a squad building thing. But. You need you need to all, all the best teams ever have always had a good mixture of youthful exuberance and experienced kind of an and like maturity and i think that once we get a little bit more of that kind of experience and maturity in that are the, the thing is is we do have some like experienced players you think of the you david louises you think you know mustafi i think is 28 you think of those, but they're just not of the quality that's needed. Yeah. yeah. So there's, I w- we were saying again, like Chelsea, we're three points behind Chelsea and Chelsea spent £225 million in the summer. Imagine what we could do to this squad with even a hundred million quid. Like we realistically don't need to, I, I, in my personal opinion, we don't need that many signings. There are a few places that I, I personally would like refreshed. But we need maybe three, four signings to compete for top four regularly, in my opinion. Mm. And that could easily be done with uh, with with a hundred million pounds, because we're not saying go out and spend 80 million on Dybala or something stupid like that. It's it's the moves like the 2025 million for Emi Buendia. It's the move that we probably should have made for somebody like Axel de Sassi, who... I, think, I can't remember. He got relegated with one of the cl- uh, clubs in France and has now gone to Monaco. Another young, up-and-coming, good defender who with another year under his belt would do really, really well. It's those kind of moves that we really need to be looking at making. Like if if the French league is in trouble, you think Renato Sanchez, um, Samare, Jonathan Bamba's in fantastic form for Lille this season. You're, you're looking at all of these players and going like, there is such opportunity to just rejuvenate that if we get it right, the future looks really, really positive. For sure. Just to kind of resurrect my half-baked point, like I'm saying, let's say the sort of the prime of a career is between 26 to 28 for argument's sake. Who have we got there? Leno, Xhaka, Party, and El Nani? El Nani's 28, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what? F- and who of, those, who of those do we want there long-term? Party, maybe Leno. And that's that's the prime. That's players who are in the prime of their career. I, I kind of kind of half baked the point earlier, but you know, like that's yeah. No, I, I, get I just what you mean. I just think I get as a, from a from a squad building perspective, those sort of opportunities that come up and you just go, oh come on, I like know. you know. Because the thing with the thing with Leno, yeah. I think is if if with the hindsight of opportunity now, you asked any Arsenal fan who would they prefer to have between the sticks, Martinez or Leno? I'm pretty sure that the overwhelming majority would probably yeah. pick Martinez. Yeah, you'd still get a few Leno fanboys, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Saka and ESL were making some really tasty combinations on the right. Um, some lovely, they were absolutely taking the piss out of some of the West Brom players. Um, Smith Rowe has this lovely thing where he drifts out to the right touchline, comes in, makes lovely runs, makes an amazing third man run for the goal later on. Um with control of the game, Sabayos was drifting out wide to kind of shift the Albion players because we didn't need another man in the middle. We were we were in control. We were you know fully Albion were clearly just there to sort of sit back and and, and let us have the ball. And you know when you have control, you can do that thing where Sabayos drifts out and it gives us that extra bit of space to penetrate, and it's it's, it's so good. And then the 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 Tierney goal, um, you know, absolutely gorgeous. I mean, absolutely you know 
Tierney absolutely loves it in the snow. I'm sure everyone knows he was warming up in um, uh, shorts and a t-shirt, so uh, I, I shan't insult your intelligence. But, you know, it, that kind of confidence, I think that's what it brings you. And this this looks like a confident Arsenal team. This looks exactly. like a team that is is restoring its belief. You know, Tierney knocks that ball down the line, cuts back inside and hits it on his weak foot. And it's it's you know, that kind of confidence and that kind of belief in your ability to beat your man and beat beat the beat the keeper in those conditions, considering the the run we've been on, is really, really encouraging. Really encouraging. 100%. 100%. One thing that it did remind me of, uh, and I, I don't mean this in the sense of quality, but I remember watching um, Barcelona with Thierry Henry after he transferred there. And the one thing that I massively remember about that Barca team, you know, they were it was it was it was the pomp of Barca. They were unbelievable. You know, they were they were stacked with phenomenal players. But one thing that really stuck out and I think imprinted on me is how I think about football and how I think certain aspects of football needs to be played to be successful is they were so interchangeable. If you think about their frontline options, they had like Ronaldinho, Henri, Iniesta was playing like left wing at one point. Eto, Xavi, Giovanni De Santos, Messi, Deco, all of these like phenomenal, interchangeable front players that meant you never knew what was coming. Henri mm-hmm. could play as a centre forward for 15 minutes in a game mm-hmm. and tear you apart and then could interchange with Eto out on that left hand side and Eto could go like. And I think that is one thing that having. Uh, almost like a uh, a roaming playmaker style 10 in Smith-Rowe is adding to this team mm. is the ability for Smith-Rowe to drift out to the left and Martinelli to drift in and to create that and the same on the right-hand side. And create the overloads. Create the overloads, but also just create unpredictability because uh, you see it happen to players that... And it happens, especially when players get subbed on. They get used to and wired in to playing against a certain opponent. A left-back if they've spent 60 minutes defending Bukayo Saka on that right-hand side, if they're then coming up against Nicola Pepe, who has a different body movement, it'll take them a few minutes to get used to it. So having that constant interchanging of that front line just allows us to f- just let the opposi- opposition never get used to how we're Again, playing. it's options. It's options. Yeah, and it's, 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 I, I have flashbacks of um, watching, watching the bottom left hand of my screen for about 30 minutes at the end of that Spurs game, just watching us whip the balls in from that same position. And it's it's unpredictability and it's it's overloads. It's all those things. It's the thing we were discussing earlier, but it's, you know, what I think um, it was uh, Poz, who's at Poz Nan in my pants on uh, Twitter, who says, <laughs> at Poz Nan in my pants, um, who says, um, sometimes a good coach finds the plan and sometimes a good plan finds the coach. And I wonder which way around it is. Um, yeah. I, you know, I'm not saying, I think Arteta has massively had a, had a hand in this. He's made the changes that we were wringing our hands, asking for with Smith Rowe and, mm-hmm. you know, looking for more more creativity and looking for more speed in, in the build-up and all those sorts of things. But equally, he can't have predicted. I mean, let's look at that second goal. I mean, absolute vengable, mate. Absolute vengable. The third man run from Smith Rowe. All I've got in my notes here is who needs Isco? Do you know what I mean? This is the thing, right? I've seen a lot of people talking about it and I think we might have got a question about it. These performances leave me in a certain frame of mind when it comes to the the January transfer window about bringing in a central attacking midfielder. And it, it worries me that if we bring somebody like Isco in, it stunts the growth. Can because, I ask, before yeah. just before you get into this, as a kind of a caveat to this, if the, if the option was we keep Smith Rowe, and we have Ozil reintegrated as a backup. What's your thoughts on that? I would that that is that literally what I was about to say. Oh, okay, okay, sorry. Literally, <laughs> no, 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 no. I think I think I, what I was going to say is bringing in Isco to take the place of Smith Rowe is is stupid because Isco is a six month option at most, and we already have a player like Isco in Ozil, and. If, if we were to bring in a central attacking midfielder, I want to bring somebody in of, of quality who's around the 23, 24 mark, maybe even 25, 26, 
kind of that four-year age kind of mm-hmm, profile mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to compete with Smith Rowe and to compete with other players. And they have to be versatile. Some games, they might have to be playing out on the right or playing out on the left because we have to be versatile nowadays. And I personally think that, for example, Buendia, we could have got him in the summer for £12 million, I think. But now that Norwich are top of the table in the championship, he's scoring a wonder volley to beat Barnsley, I think, yesterday or the day before. They're not going to sell him for 20 million quid. They're going to be because it dampens their title opportunities. They're going to ask for 30, 35 million quid to kind of part with that. So I think genuinely the best idea is to once we get some of the non-homegrown slots open, bring Ozil back. But as a deputy, bring Ozil back as an option from the bench or somebody to play the cup games or if Smithrow gets injured, injured, can play in that position. But again, it is that thing of Smithrow has made that position his own and he has now earned the right to keep that position until he loses it. It's his now mm. to lose. He he mm. needs to come off form for that. So I think that moving for somebody like an Isco would be a very, very silly move. The only people that I think we should be moving for are the Hussam Awas, the Julian Brants, the, um, the Emi Buendias, that kind of ilk of player who look like they're going to be a big part of our squad going forward. Isco doesn't look like he would be that. Yeah. It's a really difficult one because two weeks ago, Brad, if if I'd said I'd I'm have cried for one, I'm Alex Moneypenny from the future. You don't need a creative midfielder. <laughs> You'd have gone fuck off. Yeah, but Smithrow has done it, and in in and also against Chelsea. You know, not even we're not even looking for him to prove it against. Maybe we're looking for him to prove it against really good top 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 opposition in really good form. But you mm-hmm. know, certainly he's done it on the big stage. So it's it's a really difficult one. I think probably, well, what I would like to happen is I'd like to see Ozil reintegrated because I'd like to see that that um, and the fans come back and, and that kind of thing separated before he leaves because I think he deserves that. And I think him and Smithrow dovetailing behind each other with Smithrow kind of keeping his position, being sort of mentored by Ozil is a fantastic option. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're crazily dissimilar players. What I think will happen, to be honest, is I think depending on who leaves... Ozil probably won't leave and probably won't be put back in the squad. And I think we will get someone in on a six-month deal, someone like an Ericsson or an Isco, which is a shame, but I understand why the club does that. Because if they, if they, for example, we don't know what's going on politically, if, if the politics of the club is still going on, Ozil still can't play for whatever reason because it's not fucking football. Mm-hmm. Whatever the reason is, if he still can't play, they would be foolish, considering three games ago where we were, to not bring in not someone. Bring, bring in someone, yeah. Smith Rowe is still going to be here in, in in June. Like you know, let's you know, he's he's an incredible player, but we it's a lot to put on a player like that, and it just depends what you're promising people. Yeah, but 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 for example, what I'm saying is like, let's say Ericsson comes in, he knows the league for six months. He does a job in, you know, gets a couple of assists. You know, he he looks decent, whatever. Smithrow plays, you know, every other Premier League game, whatever it is. I wouldn't hate that. And I think that's more yeah. likely what the club's going to do, considering yeah. where we were. I, I It depends as to what... Yeah, it is... It has to... If it is going to be a player of the profile of an Ericsson, an Isco, that kind of ilk, it has to be short-termism it has to be six months only no option to buy no obligation to buy no even talk about a purchase it is literally six months done six months seven yeah. ties it's got to be that dennis suarez type deal that come in in january yeah. and fuck off in july um yeah yeah or or or, or make a purchase because if, you, if, if you're not convinced with smith row long term which is it would be harsh on him um but you know we've got to we've got to look after ourselves and we you know i think as fans you know, Lacazette, look at Lacazette. You know, he's in a fantastic vein of form. There's probably people going now, well, well do we need a replacement in the summer? Could we give Lacazette another, you know, another two no, years? we you know, need let's... a replacement in the summer. Exactly. So, you know, I think I think yeah. as fans, we've been very loyal before and we've we've been burned. Um, so let's, rem- let's, let's remember those lessons in the good Even times as well. Even if Lacazette scores 25 Premier League goals this season, I st- Brad, if Lacazette scores 25 Premier League goals this season, I will live on Instagram shave my head. I, I will do it as well. We'll do each other's. That sounds yeah. strange. Um, um, the- <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean? It, it's He's got a year left on his contract. He's the wrong side of 30. He's proved before that he's not a consistent, perfect option for us. 
and it he's doing be, well, which is great because it will add to his value. Yeah, Fantastic. It will add but, to his value. Hopefully, come Jan- January, if we decide to sell him in January and bring another striking option in, or whether we decide to move him on in the summer. I also mm. think that there's probably an option to move Aubameyang on in the summer. Yeah. So I can't. I can't remember if we've spoken about this because on the pod. if he doesn't fit. Yeah, we ha- not on the pod, but we we've texted about it, and I think if. Aubameyang doesn't currently look like he fits the kind of centre-forward striker role that we want. And the more that I look at it, the more that I think that his new bumper deal is asset management rather than tying down a player to keep a player. I think I remember saying that, yeah. We, I essentially, again, made quite a, a, a long, long-form long point. I've kind of hopefully condensed a little bit in my head. Essentially, we only had two options. Let the player go for nothing or maybe make some money out of him. Mm-hmm. And also keep the fans happy, and also, and also, and also keep the player, and mm-hmm. also maybe you know. So we had to make the, we had to do the contract. 100%. So yeah, and and actually in this game, you know, it's it's really tricky because I think he's he is uh, he's at he dropped deep for the second goal, connected it. He, he played dropped, well. He like, I don't think he played poorly. He dropped deep for Lacquer's second. He didn't. He did some nice work. He ran for some balls, but the problem is, he's, is he misses a chance at the he's end, finishing, yeah. and he's not confident. He's fuming after. He does a little petulant touch out to Tierney. Doesn't chase a ball. I'd, I something's off. Someone um, earlier on in the season, I saw basically saying, "We've seen Alba out of form before. We haven't seen Alba not interested before." Yeah, and I don't. I just. I am. There's a part of me going. If you're 31. I don't even think it's a laziness thing at this point. It's more just like, I'm 31. I'm not going to win the title with this team. I'm not going to win the Champions League with this Why team. Why people go to the MLS? I'm, like, you know, I, I, I'm happy and I'll be a legend here, hopefully. And, and, you know, I'll score a couple of goals and hopefully win a few more cups or whatever. And maybe you get this guy, these guys in the top four. But I'm not, you know, I'm not busting a guy at 3-0 up against West Brom. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's... it's yeah, no, I get I it. I sort of get it as well. So it's it's a really tricky one. But I, I do I do think... For example, 40 million in the summer, I'm taking it. Oh, yeah, 40, 45 in the summer, take it and rebuild. Mate, For the, like, and, and you just got to think like what that can get you in the summer. I know he's probably not available, but could you imagine like an, uh, a Dominic Calvert-Lewin or an Ollie Watkins yeah. leading the line? Yeah. Like, uh, uh, like uh, it's, so, it's so unrealistic, but oof, could you yeah. imagine just going to Villa and pillaging Ollie Watkins and Jack Grealish right now? Pillaging. Um, like just taking those, two, but if, if any club, if you took those two players and put them in, like probably eighteen of the clubs in the Premier League, you know, you're thinking that like they probably don't start for Liverpool or City, but I think they I start for they everyone might. else. I reckon Grealish might, mate. Fucking hell, he's he's creating the most chances in the league. Fuck me. Yeah, I think Grealish, to be fair, is the one that starts for everyone. But I think Ollie Watkins, you know, he's an absolute. Do- Why? Why did nobody? go for him why did this is what i mean this is the silly thing is and one thing that has been wrong with arsenal for a long time is we have allowed clubs to have a free run at so many players engolo kante went to chelsea for 35 or for 30 million pounds the summer that we signed granite xhaka for 35 million pounds and nobody else went for him other than chelsea and it's the set it's 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 happened so many times yes Speaking of uh, Jack Grealish, speaking of other things, chances, speaking of uh, tangents, um, <laughs> um, it's because you're not a technical director, bro. That's the problem. That's why they didn't go for it. Yeah, mate. It fucking isn't, mate. It fucking isn't. Exactly. I'd love to see you Bastards. in it in like an Arsenal transfer plan meeting. Just like, just can we sign Buendia, Brad, for the fifteenth time? No. Um. So can we sell Willian, Brad? No. For the 47th time. No. Um, yes, I thought, uh, I mean, listen, Tierney absolutely ran the show, didn't he? I mean, I think uh, yeah. my, my absolute lad, Clive, um, said something like, can you run the match from left back? And it's so true. Um, he was high and wide. He was brilliant. He Most chances with four. He had 96 touches. And he just most, plays left. Most touches in the game. Um, he plays left. He plays left. I've, That's it. I've like... re- we were looking really, you know, we were 2-0 up. We were absolutely cruising. I put... Are West Brom bad or are we good? <laughs> Just you know, it's kind of. You know, I think it's a mixture of both. Yeah, for it is sure. a mixture of both. Sure. Um, you know, we we're not we're nowhere near playing the levels that we should be at times. Yeah. But yesterday we were quite good, and yeah. you know West Brom are quite poor. Yeah. As the snow settled, um, the game did. 
Um, you know, and Arsenal on ice continued. Um, that was a beautiful turn of phrase. Thank you, Brad. Um, I'm not reading. Why would I be reading? Um, I didn't make that up last night and think I'll say that on the pod, and then maybe someone will like me. Um, the <laughs> I thought Bellerin was Bellerin had a lovely game. Um, he was actually playing balls down the line, which is uh, I Weird. boggled boggles boggles the mind. Um, <laughs> Sabios so, as well deserves a shout out. Yeah, Sabios did well. It's something I've noticed in games, right? Which I find really weird. You know when someone whips in a corner and the keeper shouts, Away! Yeah, obviously. It's like shouting... It's like shouting at a striker, Score! It's like, yep, yeah, cheers mate. Like... Fucking like would it, what? It's like oh mate, no, why, it's, why I, is so that I instruction? I t- Obviously, I'm going to get it away. Um, weirdo. This reminds me of uh, FA Cup final, right? I retweeted the clip of this, and basically, it's Alba's second goal, and I uh, think it's Jorginho. Now yeah. I've watched oh, it back. Zoo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. Uh, Jorginho is literally barking at Zuma to not let Abamian cut into his right, and then when Alba takes it to his left and does Zuma. Jorginho goes, oh, Zoo, as if he's read the whole thing perfectly and yeah. not been telling him to do the exact opposite. And it yeah. just fucking kills me. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand there is a certain amount of, I think maybe it's to put off opponents, especially in an atmosphere now where we've been playing without noise and without fans for what, six, seven, eight months? Like that shout from an opponent, because there is a clip, there is a clip of, I think it's, is it a Bournemouth? Is it, it might have been a Bournemouth game or something where I think it's Lewis Cook, right? And he very cleverly shout. Uh, there's, there's, uh, I can't remember who the, the player was. It was uh, Bournemouth are defending. There's an opportunity for the opposition Classic team in the box. Niche Brad knowledge. This. And l- I think it's Lewis Cook that says, mine, leave it. Oh, really? And obviously the fucking striker thinks it's another one of his team and leaves it. And it just goes to Lewis Cook and he fucking clears yeah, it. Yeah, but that's smart. And it's, but if I go to you, Brad, podcast, like, yeah. I am. Maybe it's my hang up with people telling me to do, you know, when people tell you to do something while you're doing it, that is the most yeah. annoying thing. And my mum used to do it. She'd be like, no, I get you. You're going to clean up you. while I was cleaning up. Yes. Yes, mom. <laughs> Leave me alone, mom. But, um, <laughs> it could just be, a, it could just be like a distraction tactic. Maybe, maybe. Um, yes. The game slowed down. I mean, I thought before Lacazette's goals, I thought he was being really effective. He's quite a good battering ram is Lacazette. He just sort of runs into people, falls over, and wins his free kicks. It's quite, it's yeah. not a bad tactic actually. Um, the fir- the the goal, I mean, the first goal from Lacazette. I mean, it was just, it, it's absolutely calamitous from West Bromwich Albion. Big Sam has got a lot of work to do, and he's just found out he can't sign players as easily because of uh, Brexit, Brad. Which is a shame because guess who voted for Brexit? Sam Allardyce. Sam Allardyce. <laughs> Do you know what? He I came have this, out before I have, the no. referendum saying I'm voting Brexit and now he's annoyed because he can't sign players from Mate, the amount the amount of t- the amount of stories about that where it's like <sighs> The dramatic irony is incredible. It's, I saw a tweet um, the other day, this is completely non football related, about um I think it's this girl's like two parents who voted for Brexit and then moved to Spain. Oh, and Jesus, then the day that we they we left the European Union, they text her complaining that they're um their, their their Sky Go app on like their iPad wasn't working, and they were like, "What? Why? Why is it doing this? Why can't we access Sky?" And <laughs> literally, it's because we're no longer part of the European yeah, Union, so it runs off of it. a different system. So if you have Sky in this country, and you try and use it in the European Union now, it won't work. <laughs> Lacazette's first, yeah. So Lacazette's first goal, as I say, it was kind of a. It was an absolute calamity from West Brom, to be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was, you know, like the three attempts, I think Smithrow misses and is it Lacazette? It's the post. It's, it's one of those sorts of things. It's the sort of goal that good teams get. And it's the goal. It's a similar goal that um, City scored today with um, Sterling. He, he gets on it on the breakaway. Hits it's the 1v1, post. hits the post yeah. and, and it's a good touch from De Bruyne. From, from De Bruyne. Yeah. But you have to be in those positions. Actually, it's a really similar goal. Um, De Bruyne just literally takes it down and, and slots it home, and, and the same with same with Lacazette. It's one that good teams get, and it's it's mm-hmm. actually a goal that sometimes Arsenal have struggled in the past. I'm getting flashbacks. Do you remember that gold kit or the yellow and blue kit, the Puma mm-hmm. ones? I'm getting flashbacks of like Crystal Palace and those like, sorts of games where we just 
Nicholas Bentner getting in the way of a shot against Barcelona. Or Do you like, know what I mean? Stupid shit like stupid, that. Those sorts of things. Well, I, I'm having having Arsenal fan flashbacks, as I'm sure people can relate to. Um, and the second, um, I thought it was Smith Rowe drawing the runner on first on first look. Mm-hmm. Turns out it wasn't. It was just West Brom being shit again. Uh, Tierney, <laughs> Tierney with a great delivery. Abamyang again drops deep and links the play. Um, and I think actually Abamyang draws a runner and uh, Lacazette in off his knee. And the game's over, 4 0. And listen. Do you know, you know what? Bamiang just needs a goal because he's. This is the thing. I just think. I don't. I think he's trying too hard in certain aspects of play. I think he's massively over, overthinking when it comes to the finishing now. Even his hair looks sad at the moment. Have you seen it? Yeah. Maybe it was the rain, bit... but it's all really flat. It's all really like. It just looks. You know, where's the where's the spikes and the, and the, the stars in your. Do you know what I mean? I suppose when you scored yeah. like one Premier League goal from a penalty or something, you, it's a bit. <laughs> Yeah, bless him. It's like, yeah, a bit cringe. Um, we must, yeah, I think overall our off-the-ball work was so much better. There's always two runners mm-hmm. at all times. Um, there's a great clip going around of um, United creating the, their triangles. They're really good at it, and we're, we're really good at it as well um, at the moment. How good Just... would United be with, like, a quality manager? Because I think that is genuinely the one thing holding them back from winning a league. Well, mate, I, I don't know if Soskar's that bad. I think he's a good big game manager. He's just no, uh, he's not a good tactician. He's not going to out... it. Like, there will... There are, there are... It's almost like there are two types of managers. There are suit managers and there are track suit managers. There are managers that understand tactics. And I've stolen that from Football Manager. Um, but no, no, no. But Isn't it, it that does where you steal true. all of your information? <laughs> 100%, Alex. Um <laughs> Uh, like it is true you think of Pep Guardiola he's a tactical manager he's not a, he's not like your he it, most of his ideas and how he wins football matches comes from his plans of how to play rather than how he gets certain players to play do you see what I mean yeah whereas I think some managers like Solskjaer he's created a good environment and atmosphere at the moment by making it competitive by dropping players like Paul Pogba who I thought was phenomenal yeah, in that in that two one win, and it just goes to show that sometimes you need like I think one of the one thing that we cannot deny is the impact of Bruno Fernandez. I think that Bruno Fernandez is the fucking manager of that club at the moment. Bruno Fernandes, 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 Fernandes. I think he is absolutely. <laughs> He's the manager. Like, yeah, mate, he fucking that. is. He's the kind of player that I think that Chelsea lack. I think that Arsenal lack. I think that at some point City lacks since Vinny Company left. It's who that will, arrogance. It's and that it's the Jordan Henderson. It's dragging who, like, a team. Harry yep. Maguire is so shit that he can't rip anyone out when it comes into the dressing room because he normally drops a fucking stinker. Whereas Bruno Fernandes, you see him do it, he will fucking scream at people on the pitch. Same with Jordan Henderson. Same with a tr- like Vinnie Company when he was playing for for City. And I think yeah. that that is such an asset to that club. And that if they brought in the there, right manager, however long a year, yeah. a year, if they brought in like a top top quality manager, they would run away with like so much they'd be so much better in the league so much better in the champion like unbelievable Brad do you reckon you could bullshit a United podcast and a Liverpool podcast and a we could call it like the different sock the different 100% clock, 100%, 100%. Different, do you reckon we should do it start start a different yeah, brand <laughs> start a different one just, just for the money just uh, me just, just go right what do you think of Fred and you're off yeah. <laughs> um, I know he's left footed I've got I've got down here mainland Nikes in rights, which I assume means Maitland Niles in tights. Um, <laughs> but uh, it could have been uh, could have been the old autocorrect. Um, we've we've covered that. Yeah, um, I thought Gallagher at West Brom looked all right. He yeah. was he was decent. He's creating some decent chances, popping up in the left half space. Not bad. But listen, mate, three and three is not to be sniffed at in this league. Not at all. No. And, you know, we've got five, I think it's five clean sheets away most in the league now. Yeah. Um, we're starting to we're... dominate games more in a way that, that actually feels like we're dominating a game. 21 shots to their sevens, 62% possession to their 38. More tackles, more corners. Any more stats? More dribbles, better pass sack. Right. Oh, bloody hell, Brad. He's not even reading me. Are you reading me? No. Oh, bloody hell. 
I love your. I re- I was really smiling earlier when you were talking about. Um, you knew who Buendia had scored his volley against. Oh. <laughs> Brad, if you didn't listen, Brad and I did a quiz over Christmas, and uh, it was a, it was a really it's a really entertaining episode actually. If you want to go listen to it, it's really um, fun. It was so much fun to film. But Brad, film, uh, but record. Maybe you filmed it. Hmm. Wow. Well. <laughs> Uh, but I thought Brad would absolutely spank me but I feel like if if the questions were all about like niche championship players I would have been fucked yeah but uh, yeah anyway I am gonna do a bit of self-promotion here on the different knock.com I wrote a 13 and a half thousand word it's not that thesis that's the thesis I wrote a 13 and a half thousand word thesis on Arsenal's new year uh, what should be our Arsenal New Year's resolutions. Uh, it's nice to just have a bit of a longer uh, read sometimes, so have a look if you fancy it. It's essentially just what I think we should be focusing on um, in a bit more of a textual form. So if you're interested, you fancy a little Please read. Please do. I I gave cool. it a read and it is it is brilliant. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Brad. Like, I was it, bored it was on New a, Year's like, Eve, so... I do, like, my, sometimes I'm not a fantastic reader at times. I get a bit bored. Uh, but I, I literally, I just sat there, and I, it is, it is a brilliant, brilliant read. It's very well written and very in depth. So go give it a, give it a, give it a read, guys. Thanks, Brad. That's nice. Yeah, it's just a little thing about basically what I think we should be focusing on for the next twelve mm. months. Uh, we also will be getting uh, some more regular blogs up soon, so stay tuned if that's your thing. Uh, okay, Brad. Okay. Any mate. plans for the rest of the evening? Uh, no. Uh. Fuck knows, mate. Fuck knows. I'll do something. I'm rewatching Breaking Bad. Is it good? I've only ever watched like Brad. six episodes. Brad. Brad. I think Brad. we've had this conversation before. We have, yeah. It I may have even been like on a, pod. It might have been on a podcast. <laughs> I'm rewatching it. It's it's just the best series Shall I've ever I seen. Shall I start it tonight? Watch, honestly, mate, just stick with it. And it's a bit of a it's a bit of a one. It takes a kind of maybe like an episode and a half before you're like, okay, I'm in. But it's you know when you know when sometimes people are like, just watch the first two seasons and then you'll be into it. You're like, no, I'm not going to watch two seasons of a thing. I should be in after like, yeah. If it needs two seasons, to my rule in. is if something's an hour long, if something's an hour long, I will give it or however long the thing is, I will give it an hour and a half of the actual thing. So if it's three, if it if episodes are half an hour, I'll watch three episodes. If episodes are two hours each, I'll watch most of an episode do you know what I mean I'll give it an hour and a half and if I've watched because that's about a film isn't it yeah if I've watched an hour and a half of that and I don't like it yet I'm done I normally give between depending on time frame about three or four episodes because I feel like some yeah I kind of just chat shit I I don't know I think genuinely because I just think sometimes (laughs) certain shows get stuck in the procedural nature of having one storyline and ending one storyline in an episode so I'll, I'll normally give something three or four episodes. And if I'm, by this, I mean, if I'm not absolutely hooked that I need to watch the fifth by the time the fourth yeah. ends, I'll, I'll yeah. never watch it again. I'll genuinely just turn Breaking off. Bad, Breaking Bad ruined my exams. I genuinely, I, it ruined my GCSEs. It was the, it was, but it's, it's that good. It was like, I two, watched it was six like episodes eight. of it in like a row, like literally. And then I think I went on holiday. I think that's why I stopped watching because I watched like five or six episodes in like, a day and a half and then i was going on holiday the next day for like a month and then just never yeah. went back to it every every episode is like a movie in itself and it's so smart it always subverts what you think it's going to do mm. the acting is unreal the script is so good it's so like the imagery is so good the shots are so good like the, yeah. the script itself it's so you care about the characters like i'd say within like the first half an hour just because they're real people it feels okay. like a real thing that's going on and it's it's so not like because it was made to be this thing, you know how sometimes in American television they're like angling for another series, so they're like, "Oh, we're gonna make something so it feels like it," you know, like they just went, "Okay, we're gonna make five seasons. We may mm-hmm. get cancelled, but whatever. We're gonna make five seasons of this thing, and we're gonna make sure the arc of the characters fully works, and it's so worth it. It's like what Game yeah. of Thrones could have been. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel, I feel like Game of it's what Game of Thrones could have been if they'd have given it the time and respected it deserved in its last season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah, it's yeah. the last season's just rushed and a mess. Yeah. Uh, listen, Brad. Enough about me and you. Let's have more me and you on the next episode. <laughs> Let's do it, mate. Let's do it. Uh, so we play Newcastle um, next Saturday, but we'll have a podcast for you midweek at some point. Just have a little catch up mm-hmm. and 
a bit more of a breather because the game's been coming thick, thick and fast recently. Uh, so we will get onto that. And um, in the meantime, have a check out that blog. Um, check out Breaking Bad uh, if you haven't already. And just have a safe one, guys. Yeah, it's definitely. pretty scary out there at the moment. And mm-hmm. wherever you are, please keep safe. Definitely. Um, I hope you're staying well. I hope your spirits are all right. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. If you enjoyed that and you want to hear some more, please subscribe or follow us on whatever platform you use for a new podcast after every match. If you want to support the show, check us out on Patreon and find us on Twitter at Diffknock. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network.